Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We're at the end of chapter 18, and we're going to look at two different incidences. We're going to look at Jesus' prediction about what's going to happen in Jerusalem and the disciples' response. And then we're going to see Jesus heal a man, a blind man, just outside of Jericho. And you might be saying, well, gosh, George, those are two different stories how are you going to get one message out of them? Well, I think what we're going to see is is that as we go through these stories, the issue is really going to be about blindness. The issue is really going to be about what people see and what they can't see. We're going to talk about spiritual eyesight here today. We're going to talk about how one group of people can hear the obvious and miss it, and then another person who's completely blind sees it. And we're going to talk about where you and I can be at. You know, here's the thing. You can come to church, you can read your Bible, you can be involved in all sorts of Christian activities and be rubbing shoulders with all kinds of Christian friends and miss it. Not see what God's doing in your life. Not see what He's trying to show you. But then there's somebody else who can see it because even though they may be physically impaired, They see it through a different set of eyes. We're going to talk about how we see things and what set of eyes do you see them through. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're going to talk about how we see things and what set of eyes you see them through. Because you and I view things from a different perspective. You and I will look at the same thing and see totally different things. That's true for all of us, isn't it? Spouses, you know what I'm talking about? Got a problem in the house? One spouse sees it this way, another spouse sees it what? Another way. And one perspective is more dominant than the other. It's called eyesight, is it not? So let's notice, look, notice what the passage says to us this morning and see where we're at. Look with me at verse 31. We're going to look at verse 31 of chapter 18 through verse 43. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things, This saying was hidden from them. They did not know the things which were spoken. Then it happened, as he was coming near Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the road begging. Hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, 
what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Folks, we're going to look here, and we can divide this passage into three sections for us to examine as we consider this whole issue of our spiritual eyesight. We're going to see, first of all, the plan. We're going to see Jesus basically outlining what his plan is going to be. Then we're going to see the issue of blindness. We're going to see that through how the disciples respond to him. And then we're going to see the issue of true eyesight. We're going to see that through the blind man. So let's talk about the plan first of all. Jesus takes his disciples aside and he kind of gives them a foreshadowing, a, a, a prediction of what's going to happen. He's kind of preparing them for what's going to happen when he goes to Jerusalem. Because, I'm going to be honest with you folks, in their mind, they know he's the Messiah. So they're correct on that. They know that he is the Deliverer. They're right on that. They know that he's the Son of God. But beyond that, they got everything else wrong. Because they're seeing it a completely different way. And so Jesus wants to prepare them. He's letting them know what's going to happen beforehand because they've got their expectations, they've got their hopes up. And he knows that they're going to be crushed, so he lets them know what his plan is. So I want you to notice with me, here's his plan. First thing I want you to see is, is he's going to Jerusalem in fulfillment of the prophecy. He's going to Jerusalem in fulfillment of prophecy. He says, we're going to go to Jerusalem so that, what, the scriptures may be fulfilled. What scriptures? The Old Testament prophecies that would say that the Messiah would come, and then ultimately that the Messiah would suffer, that he would die, that he would be betrayed, that he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. All of those things. He's telling them, guys, here's the plan. We're going to Jerusalem according to God's ultimate plan, according to the prophecies that have been told about me. We're going so that they may be fulfilled. We see that first thing there. Here's the next part of his plan. He will be delivered to the brutality of the Gentiles. You know, now here's the thing. You've got to remember what's going on here. You've got disciples with him that believe that he's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to overthrow the Romans, end the oppression, and Israel will once again be as great as it was under David. But here comes Jesus. He says, man, we're going so the prophecies are fulfilled. First part of it, they're like, yeah, right. He's coming, a conqueror on a white horse. Woo! But then he says... I'm going to be delivered over to the Gentiles to their brutality. They're going to mock me. They're going to insult me. They're going to spit upon me. Whoa! That's completely different than what they're expecting here. He's basically saying to them, guys, it's not going to go the way you think it's supposed to go. And I'm going to be delivered over to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles. Here's what else he tells them. He will be killed, buried, and rise again. I mean, you can't get any... I mean, you know, some people will say to them, oh, Jesus was just a tragic figure. He was a great teacher, but he tragically was accused and, and tragically was crucified unjustly. And, you know, he was just a tragic figure. Folks, he's no tragic figure. He knew it was going to happen. He even told his disciples beforehand it was going to happen. In fact, let me clarify something. This happens a lot in our Gentile culture because we live in a Gentile culture, a Western culture. We like 
People like to say that the Jews killed Jesus. The Jews had a hand in the killing of Jesus, but I'll be honest with you, the method and the tool of execution were Gentiles, Romans. We all killed them. So here's his plan. He's saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Prophecy is going to be fulfilled. The Gentiles are going to take me. I'm going to be handed over to him to their brutality. They're going to kill me. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Now that's got to be, can I be honest with you, if you're the disciples there, and you're hearing that, and you have already made up in your mind what's going to happen, that's got to be kind of like, huh? What is this? In fact, there's another place in the Gospels, remember, when Jesus says to Peter, who do they say that I am? And he says, well, you're, you're, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And, and he says, well, you know, that's great, Peter. No, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but the Spirit of God revealed that to you. And upon this rock, speaking of himself, I will build my church. And then immediately after he says that, he says the same type of thing. I am going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. But here's what it says. Peter then immediately rebuked him, took him aside, and dressed him down saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you got that all wrong. And Jesus responds to Peter by saying, Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because they don't get it. They've got something else in their mind. So here's the plan. But notice verse 34 shows us their blindness. Their blindness. Here's what it says. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. Here's what I want you to see, folks. They didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, they can't see it. They can't. How many of you have ever been in a situation like that, where you've got a situation going on, and you've got parties involved, maybe it's family members, and you take them and you even try to show them what's going on. You sit down and explain with them what's happening, but they just can't see it. You ever had anybody like that? I mean, they are like, oh, yeah, that's nice. But they just can't. They don't even see what you're saying. I mean, and you're getting frustrated like, you got to see it. It's, it's happening right there in front of you. If it smacked you in the face, and you, you can't see it. What do you mean? And they just can't see it. How many of you have been there? That, that's reality here. They don't understand. Why? Here's the thing. They saw things through the filter of their ideas. They saw things through the filter of their ideas. Here's the thing. You've got to understand something. And their culture is a little bit different than ours. The Word of God was supreme. They studied the Word of God. They knew the prophecies. They understood what it said about the Messiah. Why? Because they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for freedom from their oppression. They understood they could probably quote you all of the prophecies. But here's what I want you to see. They viewed the Scripture and the prophecies from their perspective, not from what the perspective of the Scripture was. They saw it through their own ideas. It was right there, very plain, right in the Scripture, Isaiah 53, about the suffering Messiah and what he would go through and the brutality that he would experience. If you want to, read that on your own. That's a description of what Jesus went through on the cross. It just happened to be given four or five hundred, six hundred years before Jesus would go to the cross. But they missed that completely. Why? Because it didn't fit into their thinking. Their thinking is, is that the Messiah is going to come to Jerusalem. 
overthrow the Romans. Everything's going to be wonderful. And here's the best part of it. They're his right-hand men. You think they're going to be sweet in the kingdom? So they can't see it. They don't understand it. Here's the danger, folks. They're blind. They're blind by their own concepts and their own ideas. Now, here's the trap for you and I. You and I live our daily lives each day. Sometimes it's the same old day, same old stuff. Work, eat, sleep, family time. Work, eat, sleep, family time. Sometimes they're exciting weeks when crises happen. Isn't that an exciting time? Because everything's blown out of proportion. But here we go. When we talk about our relationships with God, our tendency is, here's what's the problem, is the trap we fall in is this, is that we begin to view God based on our ideas of Him. Based upon our wrong thinking of Him. Maybe you heard a preacher on the radio or on the TV. Maybe you even heard me say something and it struck you a certain way and so now you've got this concept of God that's wrong. And so you, you see things through the filter of your ideas. And it's specifically you see the spiritual things and what God wants through the filter of your ideas. Folks, what it leads to is blindness. You're missing the obvious. And just like you get frustrated at the guy who can't see it, how do you think God is with us when we can't see it? They can't see it. They can't see it. It's interesting, though. Luke tells us, Right next to it, as they're on that journey, they get to Jericho. Now, just to understand where Jericho is from Jerusalem, Jericho is about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. So just to understand the distance, he's heading here on foot, but he's 12 miles out. And when he's there, there's a multitude. Of course, with Jesus these days, anywhere he goes, there's a multitude. And, and they go by some beggars, and one of them's blind. Now, we don't really have that in our society very much today. You might see that in some of our cities, but in in most of our cities we don't have that where you have somebody just sitting there begging. When you go around the world, you see that a lot. But here's a beggar. He hears this commotion of all these people, and he can't see, so obviously he's going to say, Hey, what's going on? What's the big commotion? What's the big hubbub in town today? And they say to him, Well, Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. And so I want you to notice now, here's where we see true eyesight. Here's where we see when people really see it. Now here's a guy who's physically blind, but I want you to notice what happens with him. Look with me, first of all, 35 to 38. And then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the road begging, and hearing the multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him, that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, first thing he is, is he knows who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is. He's using a title here, son of David. That's a messianic title. Just like Jesus used son of man in the section where he's telling of his plans, he's using a messianic title. He is proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. The Deliverer. So immediately, this guy has never met Jesus before. He's probably only heard stories of Jesus. And obviously, it's the talk of the town, of what Jesus is doing in the area. The healings, the rebuke of the Pharisees, lepers being cleansed. 
And so this guy, even though he's blind, probably his biggest wish is, is one day that Jesus would come back. Why? Because he would know that Jesus is the one who's going to deliver him. He knows who Jesus is. And so of all the things, he's wishing for him to come by, and one day he does come by, doesn't he? And so he responds out of what he knows. Jesus, son of David, heal me. Have mercy on me. That's true eyesight, folks. That's true eyesight. Is knowing who God is and responding to him based out of that. Now, here's the difference between the other guys and this guy. What do you mean, George? Well, let's take our prayer life sometimes. How many of you have ever talked yourself out of talking to God about something? You know what I mean by that? How many of you have ever talked yourself out of talking to God about something? What do you mean by that, George? Well, here you got a need. You're facing a situation. Maybe it's even a simple thing. And, and, and in your heart of hearts, you know that maybe, maybe you should talk to God about it. But, see, here's the thing. We're rational beings. We can handle things on our own. We know how to take care of it. And so what happens is, is you can talk yourself out of praying. You can talk yourself out of going to God and saying to Him, God, take care of this need. And here's the kind of things we'll say. Well, you never really have answered that before. Well, you know, and I know that Bible saying, God helps those who help themselves, it ain't in the Bible, folks. It ain't in the Bible. But you know it, and you try to live by it. And you know that if you just put a little bit more effort and talk to enough more people, maybe go see the bank or or do all this, you can handle it. And you will talk yourself out of going to God. Here's what it's saying. It, what you're doing is is talking yourself out of what you believe about God. That's really what's going on here. Here's a guy, though. He knows what he believes, and here's what he does. He acts on it. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cries out. He cries out. Here's the other thing I want you to see here. Look at verse 39. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Here's what I want you to see. He was not discouraged by others. This is typical. This is typical church to me. You got somebody that's coming along and they got a terrible situation and situation they're facing and they're just crying out, Oh God, I need you to do this. And then here's what happens in church is Job's comforters. What do you mean Job's comforters? Well, if you read the book of Job, Job's going through a terrible time. He's got three friends who show up and they comfort him. No, they don't. They beat him up telling him about how it's all his problem and that God's not going to help him. That sounds like church today, isn't it? That's how most Christians are with each other. And so he's got these folks who are trying to discourage him. They're saying like, hey, hey, be quiet. Jesus is coming by. You're making too much noise. But he's not going to stop. In fact, look at what it says there. He cried out all the more. I mean, he got louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. He's not discouraged. He's crying out more and more and more for help. Some of you, not only do you allow yourselves to be talked out of praying, some of you allow the opinions of others to dictate what your prayer life's going to be. Do you hear me? You not only will talk yourself out of prayer, but you will allow the opinions of others. And believe me, they'll share it with you. Oh, I just faced that situation, and here's what happened to me. And I even prayed, but this is what happened. And yeah, I guess you could say God got us through it, but it wasn't what I expected. 
And you'll sit there and you'll hear that and you're like, well, yeah, my, well, gosh, I may as well not even pray. Might as well not even cry out. And we'll get discouraged. We won't do anything. And we'll suffer in silence. That's not where this guy's at. This guy knows what he knows. Even though he's never met Jesus, he knows what he knows. He knows that this is Jesus, the one who can heal. He knows that this is Jesus, the one who can bring relief. He knows this is Jesus, the one who will answer him. And do you think he's going to let other people discourage him? No! He even cries out even more. Have mercy! Where are you at? I mean, in perfect church, we like to think that everybody's got their act together and everything's got a wonderful marriage and everybody's got a wonderful job and life is going sweet and wonderful. Relationships are perfect. Everybody's at the perfect weight. Everybody's in perfect health. And things are wonderful. Isn't that what perfect church says? But you know what? This is real church. And in real church, we're all a mess. And all of us have got problems. All of us are struggling with something. All of us are facing issues that we don't know how to handle. All of us are sitting here wondering what in the world is the next step. All of us are crying out. My friends, are you going to let yourself be discouraged? Are you going to let somebody else tell you what you need to believe? Or are you going to believe with your heart and in your time with God, you're going to cry out to Him, Son of David, have mercy on me, I need you. Because in perfect church, you don't do that. But in real church, we know where the real power is, and the real power is with the Son of God. And God, I need you to bring healing in this relationship. I don't know how to get through this, God. You've got to bring healing in this relationship. God, I need you to bring healing in this loneliness issue in my life. God, I need you to do that. God, I need you to help me in this area of my life to bring me victory. You're the only one. Or do you allow yourself to be discouraged? Do you talk yourself out of believing? That's the issue. This guy saw. Or do you allow yourself to see things through your ideas about who God is? Let me just go ahead and tell you right now. Any concept of who we have as far as God is nothing compared to who He is. He's far beyond anything we could ever think of Him. And the love that He has for us and the care that He has for us is far beyond anything that we could ever come up to on our own. Do you believe that? Do you see Him that way? Or do you see Him through your own ideas? See, there's one more point about this guy. You've got to see it, because this is the proper eyesight. This is the eyesight here. Look at what he's saying here. Look at what Jesus says to him. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought near. So Jesus obviously hears the commotion going on. He hears this guy screaming, Hey, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, it's obviously he's talking about you. What are you going to do about it? So here's what Jesus does. He stands still and commanded him to be brought near. And when he came near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? Isn't that a powerful question? What do you want me to do for you? God's asking you that today. What do you want me to do for you? And look at what the guy says. I mean, I mean, it's, it's not, he's not being mansy-pamsy here. Well, you know, Lord, if you have time, I know you're a busy dude, and, and things are happening here. You're heading to Jerusalem, and everybody knows you're coming as the Messiah. And, and you know, and I'm just a little old me, just a beggar here on the side of the road. And, and if you, he doesn't say anything like that, does he? Look at what he says. Lord, that I might receive my sight. I mean, he's pretty direct with him. No platitudes. I need you to heal me, Jesus. This is what the guy's saying. And then notice what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Here's the point I want you to see. He sees with eyes of faith. 
Folks, this is really where it's at. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because all of us, are, man, we, we live in the real world. We live in the real struggles that we're going through. We live in disappointments and hurts. And, and we wonder how we're going to get through this. And here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road. It's all in how you look at it. What do you mean, George? You can look at it through your ideas, through the discouragement of others, through talking yourself out of it because you've got the right idea. You can look at it through blindness because that's what that is, blindness. Or you can look at it through the eyes of faith. Jesus, you are who you said you are. You can do what you said you'll do. And I believe that you can heal me, Jesus. I believe that you can work in my life. It may not be according to the way that I want to, Lord, but I'm going to trust you to do the best thing for me, Jesus. You're looking at him through the eyes of faith and trust. And some of us here need to be start doing that. Because you don't know where the next check is coming from. You don't know how the next bill is going to be paid. You don't know how the health issues are going to be dealt with. You don't know how you're going to deal with the sin issue that you're struggling with. But if you see it through the eyes of faith, you know that Jesus is the one who can help you. This is where this guy's at. This is the difference. The other guys, they had no clues. Like, huh? What is he talking about? They couldn't see it. But this guy saw it. Now, isn't it interesting? The people who were discouraging him, notice what they'll always do. Look at verse 43. And immediately he received his sight, followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Isn't that wonderful? Fickle crowd. The issue is you and Jesus. You say, okay, George, how do, we, how do we wrap this up here? Here's some thoughts for you. First one's this. Are you blinded by your preconceived notions, your ideas? Are you blinded by your preconceived ideas? You've got God in a box. You know what he can and can't do. You already know that he's going to only act this way in your life. You don't know that. So are you blinded by your preconceived ideas? Here's the other thing. Do you allow others to hinder you? Do you? Do you allow others to hinder you? Do you allow others to hinder your faith in what you see truly about God? And believe me, folks, folks will hinder you. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll have Bible reasons to hinder you. They'll give you good theology to hinder you. But you can't. You need to cry out all the more to him. God, you are the only one. You're the only one who can help me. And I need you to help me. Get me through this, Jesus. So here's your action point. Take the blinders off and step out in faith. Take the blinders off. Take the blinders of your preconceived ideas and the discouragement of others, you need to take those off and look to Him with eyes of faith. You know He is who He says He is. You know that He has saved you. You know that He cares for you and He loves you. And you know that what He'll do for you is best. Look to Him. Step out on faith. That's the issue here in this passage. So let me ask you this morning, what's God showing you? What's he showing you? Because some of you, you're going through some deep waters. Some of you are getting ready to enter some deep waters. Some of you don't even know the deep waters that you're about to enter, but you're going to enter them. And it's all going to be based upon your eyesight. May God give us spiritual eyesight. Eyes of faith to see us through them. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.